This episode is dedicated to the memory of Don Allard. He was born in 1959, and he passed away in 2015 at the age of 56. Donnie was a father and a son. He was an uncle, a husband, a brother, and a friend of many. And in the mid-1970s, Don Allard was a basketball player in the tiny town of Epping, North Dakota. Donnie Allard with that ball, 24 seconds, jumping 55, Pivot Lake 53 to Clydefinger. Clydefinger on the left side. Clydefinger drives the left side, he's fouled. The foul is on Finger that Don was, he wanted to lose weight because he knew this next year was coming up. And when, so he quit eating suppers with us. And when we were eating supper, he would run. And he would run to the end of our pasture and back. And he'd done that every night when we had supper. You know, Don Howard was probably as hard a working kid as I ever coached. And probably, you know, of all the kids that I coached, he's a kid that least wanted any credit. Very, very unselfish. I asked him come home when we were eating supper, and I asked him, well, how is the practicing going? How is the team going to be? And he says, we're going to state this year. The excitement level kept growing and growing, and you get up in the morning, and, it, and the press was... How has the community reacted to this uh, Cinderella basketball team? Well, it's really super. Epping is a, a very small community with 23 in high school. And it's been, we're really proud of them, and, and I think they appreciate our help. Okay. Congratulations. Good luck tomorrow night. Thanks. When we come out of the locker room, it was to come into that gym and the roar of everybody for Epping. And we had, I just remember the cops clearing the way for us to come in into the gym. Epping's Eagles, and here they come, the darlings of this tournament, the Cinderella team in North Dakota. And there's the whole Epping Eagles. Now, somebody told me today that you were going around. The, was that you that was in the Kirkwood this afternoon leading cheers for the Epping Eagles? No, I was up at the Capitol pushing Epping Eagle buttons. Oh, you were? <laughs> somebody was going around uh, doing uh, Epping cheers all over the motels today. Over the other side, Mike Binger lets her go and score! Here comes Epping. Clyde Bigger. Here's Allard. His shot. Good! Stolen again by Bob Allard. Here he comes. You got it. I can close my eyes and hear those Epping folks, whether it was in the bar the restaurant, the lobby. Here we go, Epping, here we go. Here we go, Epping, here we go. Once upon a time, there was an unknown number of tiny towns, all sleeping together under a Midwestern Milky Way. 
Year after year, these communities slept together under the stars, and while they slept, they would dream. Grandfathers dreamt of the only thing they knew, working hard, while grandmothers dreamt of childhoods when the elders spoke German or Russian, Norwegian or Swedish. Young parents dreamt of their adult obligations, of paying the mortgages, packed lunches, oil changes, and parent-teacher conferences. The children and the teenagers, they also would dream. While their grandparents gazed behind them when they dreamt, the teenagers scanned ahead into the vast, wide, and dreamy landscapes of their futures, eyes peeled for something on their horizon, something that would stand out and set them apart. And even when an occasional train approached at night, when the grain elevators shook and shivered with the roar of the railroad, still the tiny towns slept, and still the tiny towns refused to stop dreaming. Occasionally, at the breakfast table in the morning, these youngsters would dare to share their dreams with their parents and grandparents. All across the prairie in small kitchens, adults exchanged knowing glances, for they recognized these dreams as the same dreams they had had when they were young. Dreams of something that would not only bring excitement and energy into their hard work and daily lives, but also something that would mirror that very struggle itself. The struggle to succeed with meager means and lots of hard work. While on the one hand, these adults wanted to protect their children from the razor-sharp shards of shattered dreams, they were at the same time ready to jump back in and believe in something youthful and innocent and optimistic. Anything that might set this day, this year, this life apart. In just one of these sleeping towns, a place called Epping, North Dakota, on a small ranch south of town, a young 17-year-old boy named Donnie Allard slept and dreamt in an upstairs bedroom he shared with his brother Bob. Donnie dared to dream his dream, and Donnie dared to believe in it, too. And when the 1976 basketball season started, it wasn't long before the adults and townsfolk got in line behind the 17-year-old boy his brother and his teammates, and they all said, Here we go. You know, it was a long, hard winter, and high school basketball was the only thing in town, the only game in town. This is the 1953 beach team, the Buccaneers, entrant in the state class B 1953 tourney, being held at Minard. And the goal in life was to play in the state tournament. Coming to you from the vast and windy, wide-open plains of North Dakota, this is the Dakota Ball Podcast, an explorative journey into small-town living and Midwestern dreams of big-time high school basketball. Basketball. 
baseball team entered the season needing to replace four of its top six players. Glenn Owen Hebron, the champions of Region 7 and State for the first time. They are the true Cinderella story of this tournament. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Dakota Ball Podcast. I'm your host, James Wallner. I want to start out by thanking all of you who have been listening to the Dakota Ball Podcast. You know, when I first got the idea to do this project, I had no idea how to go about it, nor if I had the ability to do a good job. I've never done a podcast before, and to be honest, I really never liked listening to my own voice, so it's been an interesting project, to say the least. But it's been fun, and I really want to thank all of you for listening, and especially those of you who have sent encouraging emails. That really means a lot to me. As I've said in an earlier episode, it's free to listen to the Dakota Ball podcast, and it will always be free. That said, if you enjoy this podcast, I'd like to ask you to please help me out by spreading the word about the Dakota Ball podcast. Please tell your friends and share it on Facebook and other social media. And if you have an iTunes account, I would really, really appreciate it if you could go to the Dakota Ball podcast page on iTunes and give this project a stellar review. Those iTunes reviews and ratings can really help the Dakota Ball podcast to reach more listeners. Thank you so much to all of you listeners from literally all over the world. Thank you. I'm really excited to bring you this fifth episode of the podcast. The story of the 1977 Boys State B Basketball Tournament in North Dakota is kind of the epitome of what I want to share with this podcast, life, love, and basketball in a small town. In 1977, the small town of Epping, North Dakota, and their basketball team stole the hearts of most of the state on their way to placing second in the state finals. I'm certainly not the first person to tell this story. The Epping story is a story that will never die. And in fact, about 15 years ago, Prairie Public Broadcasting here in North Dakota made a television documentary about North Dakota high school basketball. And they dedicated about 25 minutes of that documentary to this very story. Prairie Public has graciously allowed me to use the audio from this TV documentary. This will give you a great introduction into that epic weekend in 1977. And after that, you'll hear the interviews I have done with the key individuals from this captivating story. Unfortunately, one of the key characters in this story, Don Allard, passed away in 2015. This episode of the Dakota Ball Podcast is dedicated to him, and I know that as you listen to my interviews with his coach, his friends, his parents, and family, you will be as captivated and moved by Don Allard's life and his demeanor as I was. So without further ado, let's spend about 12 minutes listening to some of the audio from this documentary. I won't pipe in with many explanations while we're listening to this audio. There's a lot of people talking on here, and it'll be a little hard to follow sometimes, but it's going to give you a great overview of this story. And at the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how you can watch this uh, documentary yourself. One of the premier television events uh, of, the, of the century, I think, in North Dakota. I don't know where you are or what you're doing tonight, but I hope wherever you are, you're having as much fun as we are here. This is the story of how two teams got to the 1977 state final. Two very different teams with two very different coaches from two very different parts of the state. If there is one game that best defines the essence of the state B, it is this one. The mighty Hillsboro Burrows against tiny Epping, enrollment 23 in grades 9 through 12. What resulted was a fever pitch, David versus Goliath atmosphere at the Bismarck Civic Center that hadn't been seen before and hasn't been seen since. And no one who was there that night will ever forget it. How are you guys? Good, how are you? Hi. 
the Epping boys are back home together again. At the local tavern, the wives have even prepared a cake. A reminder of that once-in-a-lifetime season and the three days in Bismarck when they were kings of North Dakota. The starting five, Bob and Don Allard, Clyde and Mike Vinger, and Jay Bingaman, are still treated like royalty here, this tiny town which still doesn't have paved streets. They are revered in a way that only happens in a small town. Maybe it's because Epping was never known for basketball, once losing 96 straight games in the late 60s. But it's the kind of treatment they've received all over the state. All you got to do is mention Epping and, and somebody's going to remember it, it seems like. You get that today, too. I mean, if, oh, yeah. Yeah, still. You, somebody happens to mention basketball, or you tell them your name, and they say, oh, you guys are on that 77 basketball team. It's something us five will never forget, and it keeps us together. I mean, we're all good friends, all five of us. We got ourselves ready prior to it played a lot of basketball during the summer and knew that if we were going to do it, that would have to be the year. I mean, everybody knew what everybody else was going to do. Our senior year when we started, he said, you guys know how to play basketball, we're just going to get you into shape. Expectations were high in Epping heading into the 76-77 season. Fifth-year coach Larry Overbow's strategy was to utilize the team's athletic ability by playing aggressive defense and fast-breaking whenever possible. The one thing about that team, I think, is, is we passed the ball so well. Coach Overbowl, you know, his ability as a coach was, you know, he was, as far as I'm concerned, he was the best. Led by their talented and physical front line of Clyde Vinger, Bob and Don Allard, all standing around 6-1, the Eagles steamrolled through the regular season, averaging nearly 70 points a game. They only lost once to Beulah in the third game of the season, and a big highlight was defeating Watford City for the first time in school history. We had as good a team as anybody in the state, it was just a matter of us playing well, and we did play well. After beating Watford for the third time in the region final, it was off to state in a brand new experience. And see, we all grew up in the country. We never really left Epping Town. I mean, the biggest town was Williston that we'd probably go to. At state, the Eagles survived an opening round overtime game with Turtle Lake Mercer winning 58-55 and then won a turnover-riddled semifinal with Wing 61-56. The wins hadn't been pretty, but their rough-and-tumble play only added to the team's growing legend. The city of Bismarck was in an uproar over this Cinderella story, but a powerful and tournament-savvy opponent still awaited them. Rebound, Hillsboro, oh, what a play by Tommy Olson! By 1977, Hillsboro had already been to five state tournaments and won back-to-back -back titles in 73 and 74. For Epping's Eagles, and here they come, the darlings of this tournament, the Cinderella team in North Dakota. Number 43, he's six feet, senior, and there's the whole Epping Eagle. I remember going onto the floor, coming out of the locker room to get onto the floor, and they had to clear the way to help us get on there with those security guards. And 10% was for Hillsboro and 90% of the crowd was for Epping and it was, they were the darlings of the tournament. It was, it was, it was epic. It was a hell of a day. You could feel, the, actually feel the electricity in the crowd. But things just weren't going our way and I'm sure it probably was nerves. Always prepared, Bayer had taken Epping's favorite play away from them, the long outlet pass. And their height was getting Clyde Vinger into early foul trouble. And gonna drill one right through. 
the Burroughs built their biggest lead of the game, 20-6, early in the second quarter. But suddenly, Epping settled down and began chipping away at the big lead. Over to the other side, Mike Binger lets her go and score! Here comes Epping. Clyde Binger. Here's Allard. His shot. Good! And once we got behind, we knew they were going to start spreading it out, and it wasn't a favorite of ours or the crowd, and, and then we just had to hustle twice as much as we had to all year. This Bob Allard layup cut the lead to six at 24-18, but Scott Kelly's driving hoop gave Hillsboro a 26-18 halftime lead. Still, it was suddenly a ball game again. Epping's second quarter momentum continued right away in the third. Allard from the corner, good! And here comes Epping! The game seesawed back and forth, but Hillsborough held Epping off and actually rebuilt and extended their lead. Now, foul against Clyde Vinger, he's all done. And to make matters worse, Clyde Vinger fouled out. Boy's going to shake his hand. He was crying afterwards. <laughs> It's, 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 it's even emotional for me now. You know, me and him being the big guys to rebound and mm -hmm. losing him brought in a smaller guard. But suddenly with the score 34-22, Epping would begin one of several scrappy and emotional second half runs. Here's Bob Allard inside, his best move, yeah. Good play. John Allard in the lane, shot, good. Bob Allard, short, rebound, stolen, Bob Allard, yeah. Stolen again by Bob Allard. Here he comes. You got it. Holy cow. Eight seconds to go. Bob Allard, shot. Good! Look at Eddie Byers calling the shots there. He's getting nervous. You couldn't communicate on the floor, you know. Nobody could hear anything, you know, so I couldn't communicate with the kids. Well, I know when we were chasing them all over the floor, that was giving them some problems. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't worry about, you know, the time on the clock and the, the score of the game. They just played. It was 38-33 with eight minutes left. One quarter to go. Hillsborough leads by five. They once led by 12. Here's Joe Hen inside, fakes, and scores. Joe Hen. Back out to Don Allard. Allard for the basket. Off the glass. Cleared off by Don Allard. Nice move. Hillsboro had a 48-37 lead, and moments later, Mike Vinger fouled out. In Hillsboro's heyday, when they got ahead of a team, that team was usually through. But this night would prove different, and Bob Allard was about to take his game to another level. Allard pumps one, looks good, right through. I think they were just thinking that we'd quit. We would give up, and we never did. I remember Bob Allard as being, uh, having the capabilities to carry a team. They from him. Allard again. No, he didn't get it. Rebound that time, he did get it. Don't anybody go away. The miracle workers are at their best right now. Three point. He didn't get that one either. Rebound Don Allard. His shot is good. Don Allard scored. We got a four point game. Hillsborough's in trouble. Out near the center line. The talk of the press box was that this is not happening. You know, it can't be happening. Trailing 48-44, Epping was primed to cut the lead to two for the first time since the start of the game. This place has gone crazy. 
basket might blow the roof off the Civic Center. And the most controversial play of the game would happen next. Bob looked at me and he kind of nodded his head and I nodded my head. I, I knew what he was going to do. First of all, he didn't, he didn't dribble and then come up with it. He grabbed the ball in the air and came down with it. I mean, he hadn't even had control of the ball yet, for one thing. Oh, basket! They don't see! Henry Milky has called it! From where I seen the play, there was absolutely no question in my mind. I've never doubted a call. If I can't make a call like that, then I shouldn't be out there on the floor. We're not going to win or lose a game on a call here and there. I think that took a little air out of him. It took a little air out of the crowd as well. Indeed, more so than the no-basket call, the fatigue caused by all of Epping's chasing around and playing catch-up finally showed at the free-throw line. The Eagles made only 10 of 25 for the game, which proved fatal. We didn't really shoot free-throws well the whole year. Let's see if he can make this one. He did! The three-point game now! Jay Bingaman made his second free throw to cut it to 48-45, the closest Epping would ever get, because the Burroughs were about to put it away. Stolen by Allard. Underneath, Powell, Nelson, Hillsborough. Don't go away, folks. Bob Allard and his mates still wouldn't die. A last valiant run got it to 54-50, but Hillsborough didn't miss their free throws and survived 56-52. His leg is trying to get... And I had some kids that had tears in their eyes and they were kind of down and I said, you know, we had as good a year as we could have possibly had and, and uh, uh, you know, be proud of yourselves. No, no there, was, there was no disappointment that I can recall. Mm -hmm. And I remember Overbow having, you know, saying what a great year we had. Yeah. Um, I don't remember there being any disappointment. In the aftermath, Epping was treated like the victor, the toast of the state. Returning home, they were given a hero's welcome and streets were renamed after the players. Hillsborough brought back the expected third state title with decidedly less fanfare. And because of school consolidation in North Dakota and the death of the small high school, it is doubtful there can ever be another Epping-like basketball story. Get ready, get ready. In the ensuing years, the players have moved on to successful lives and more important obligations. And an odd and wonderful thing has happened. The Epping players have become modern-day folk heroes, symbols of a time when a school with 23 students could dream of glory and the embodiment of the term victorious in defeat. You know, they think we won it. Yeah, they still do. A lot of them say that, yeah, you guys are the ones that won state back yeah, in the year well, you guys won state. You know, they'll talk about, what year was that? Well, we I hate to tell them we didn't, I hate to tell them <laughs> we didn't win. I can close my eyes and hear those Epping folks, whether it was in the bar, the restaurant, the lobby, here we go, Epping, here we go. I'd just like to say thanks to not only the Epping fans, but all the fans around the, the state that supported us. And something we'll, we'll always remember. Once again, I'd like to thank Prairie Public Broadcasting for allowing me to use this audio. At the end of this podcast, or at the website dakotaball.org, you can find out how to watch this documentary yourself, for free. So hopefully by now you have a lay of the land. 
The Epping Eagles starting five consisted of Jay Bingaman and two sets of brothers, the Allard brothers, Don and Bob, and the Vinger brothers, Clyde and Mike. In total, the school had about 22 students in grades 9 through 12. Despite that, the team came close to taking state that year, losing to the biggest B school in the state. When I heard this story, I knew I wanted to know more about it, and it would be perfect for the Dakota Ball podcast. I was able to locate Bob Allard, and he agreed to meet with me one Saturday afternoon when he was in Bismarck, North Dakota, to play some golf. At this point in time, when I interviewed Bob, I was unaware that his brother Don had passed away from cancer in 2015. The following is my interview with Bob Allard. He'll give us some more insight into how small Epping really was, and he'll share his memories of that year. After the interview with Bob, we'll meet some more people. We'll meet the rest of the team, Bob and Don's parents, and Don's wife and kids as well, as they all share their memories of Don Allard and the significance of the 1977 Epping Eagles. Being on the farm, it helps you work hard. You, you know, you got that hard work ethic, and and we we really worked hard. We, you know, I I started out and I wore weights on my ankles all summer long, so I could I could jump. I got to where I could jump pretty high, and that's I had to because we weren't that big. And my dad built a basketball court on our farm, so me and my brother we played basketball. That's all we had when we weren't working. We were playing basketball. My name is Bob Allard. I was uh, born in 1960. Grew up in a small town on a farm eight miles south of Epping. I live in Fargo. Work for Burlington Northern. Would you say I'm exaggerating if I would say you're kind of a legend in North Dakota in a way? I, I would want to say that, but I think the, t- the team of Epping is a legend. The, the town of Epping is, is a legend, yeah, but no individual. How often do people recognize you that you, from the Epping thing these days? Oh, it, to this day, to this day I run into people and, and talk and, and if, the, if the word Epping comes up, they remember it. Not only do they remember it, they remember where they were at, what they did, what they ate for supper before the game. They, they remember everything. So how did you and Don learn to play such great basketball? You know, being such a small town in, in Epping, they had fifth and sixth grade basketball. So when he was a sixth grader and I was a fifth grader, we all, the teams were together. And then they had seventh and eighth grade basketball in the small towns. So when they were in eighth grade and we were seventh grade, we played together. So you think it's just being exposed to that much basketball that made you such a good player? Or that's all we had. I think the biggest thing was Epping had only only had basketball. We didn't have anything else. Sports-wise, sports-wise, we had nothing. We, uh, you know, one one year we asked the coach if we could go to a track meet just so we could do it, and uh, we went and ran. We went. It was kind of funny, but because we'd never practiced it. We just went to the track meet just so we could do something different. And we had we couldn't have a football team. They didn't have consolidations back then. So the only thing we had was uh, basketball. Did your parents go to all the games? Or? They went to all the games, yes. They, they sure did. Uh, 
because they had to drive us. We didn't have a bus. We, the, only, the only bus they had, they had one bus, and it was for picking up kids in school in the morning. So we never took a bus to a game. We always, uh, I should say never, because the 1977, when we were doing really well, we asked the superintendent, since we've never been on a bus, could we take a bus to a game? And he let us take it to Ganora one game. And so it's the only time we ever got to ride the bus was one game. Otherwise, the parents drove all the kids. Many times we come back in a caravan in a blizzard or something, and you, I just remember a lot of times you have to drive, and one guy has his head out the window to see the, the yellow stripe in the highway just so we can get home and out in the because it's all out in the country, you know. You're so no paved streets in that thing? No, no paved streets. Well, they got the one that goes through town now on the side of town that's paved, but nothing in, in the town itself. Growing up, like I said, every year we got matched up to play together, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. We just, our dream was when we were juniors and seniors, we were going to go to state. And all being from such a small town, going to Bismarck was unheard of. We just didn't get out of that small town area. Williston was the closest thing that we, we go into Williston a lot because. So just going to Bismarck, regardless of basketball, was a big deal. Oh, it was it was amazing just to get down to Bismarck and and excitement and wow, yeah, it was it was unreal. Do you remember where you stayed in town? Yeah, we actually stayed at the Holiday Inn, which is tore down now, but it was right off of the River Road. And uh, boy, we got we we got the welcome wherever we went. Do you uh, did you guys get any sleep that weekend? <laughs> I mean, how did you get to sleep uh, you know, when the next day you're going to play in the arena? We we got down there, and when we walked into the the civic center, it was I mean, we'd never seen anything that big before because we had to go practice. We got to go practice on the gym, and it was it was just such a rush. Just mm-hmm. coming from a small, our gym was so small. Our locker room, we didn't. Our, our guests didn't even have a shower. I mean, all they did was <laughs> went into an old classroom and got dressed. Right. And our showers were ancient we only had two showers in ours and it wasn't even really a locker room um wow. so i'm sure people didn't like to come to epping because you had to come out of a basement to run up to the gym and the gym only held i don't know it only had three rows of seating and it wasn't very big nice uh, home court advantage maybe we always like going out of town because <laughs> but we played well in our gym we didn't they got to remember epping at one time had the, the largest losing streak you know, they had over 97 games in a row they lost. So Epping was known for being losers. And so it was such a big thing when we turned everything around. I don't know what, so how many that years losing later. Streak, I'm sorry, was that losing streak going on when you were a kid then? When I was a kid. When I first moved to Epping, the losing streak was going on. And I was like in first or in second or third grade when they finally won their first game. And... And then it just seemed like we got better, and then we got in. Uh, Larry Overbo came in, and he just turned everything around. He was coach, amazing coach, and just just turned things around in Epping when he got there. You want to tell me a little bit more about your the the other set of brothers? Yeah, the Vinger brothers. Uh, Clyde was a senior with my brother Don, and Mike was a junior with me. So we played basketball. I mean, when we were at school, that's all we did. And Jay Bingaman was. And Jay was a hard defensive player. He played his tail off. 
the fifth tall guy. Tall as Jay, or was Jay was he wasn't very tall either. We I think I was at the time six listed at six three, and then uh, Clyde might have been six one, and then my brother Don was I think listed at six foot. Mike at six foot, and Jay was about six foot. They were all maybe five eleven. I'm not sure. It, we weren't very big. And the other brothers, what kind of playing style did they? What roles did they have? Guards? Uh, they forwards? were shooters. You know, smart, good passers. I, I tell you. What made our team that what we were was we knew what the other guy was going to do just by looking at him. I just want to talk real quick if you remember the do you remember the first game at state? First game we went and played uh, Turtle Lake Mercer, and they had a, a tall guy, Paul Singer, and you know we just didn't know what to expect, and I think everybody just thought Epping come from a weak district or something, and we come down there and it was close, it was toe to toe. I, I think I got in foul trouble early, and uh, but we ended up coming down and the, and they they pulled it out or we pulled it out. Mm. So, but it was a great game. Nice. The excitement level kept growing and growing, and you get up in the morning and it, and the press was they just ripped every game. They just you know calling us Goliath or David and Goliath. Mm. You know, it's the small town that all they ever talked about was how small we were and how we had won and now going on to game two and Epping is moving on and, and mm-hmm. how the people are watching it. How has the community reacted to this uh, Cinderella basketball team? Well it's really super. Epping is a, a very small community with 23 in high school and it's been, we're really proud of them and, and I think they appreciate our help. Too. Okay, congratulations, good luck tomorrow night. Thank now somebody told me today that you were going around, the, was that you that was in the Kirkwood this afternoon leading cheers for the Epping Eagle? No, I was up at the Capitol pushing Epping Eagle buttons. Oh, you were? <laughs> somebody was going around uh, doing uh, Epping cheers all over the motels today. So the next night we come back and we had to play wing. And they were quick, they had some quick guards. And, uh, you know, them, they were a small town, they weren't that big. and. We played them, and we nervous. I think we were just still a little nervous, you know, and uh, ended up beating them. And so another clincher, another nail biter. Yeah. And then you got to go back to your hotel. Yeah, got to go back to the room and try to get some sleep again because the next night we play the largest Class B school in the state. It was amazing when we come out of the locker room. It was to come into that gym and the roar of everybody for Epping. And we had—I just remember the cops clearing the way for us to come in into the gym. And everybody's, you know, they trying to give us five, and and we were just, we didn't even know what to think. It was just so. Well, must have been an incredible thing. It is. It is exciting, and you could talk to you when you go to small towns, and if you ever brought up Epping, the older people they would tell you how exciting it is. It's, it's like you said, it's the most memorable game in, in history of North Dakota. And it probably, because of um, consolidation, something like this will never happen again. It, it'll never happen again. You, you could, I, I can't imagine a small town like that with that few kids uh, that team. could go anywhere. 
we're even having a team anymore. There's no, no schools that small, are there? No, no. I not with not with a basketball team. Yeah, we we lost by four. You know, besides being <laughs> exhausted, I just wanted to like pass out on the floor. I was so tired when we were done there. Um, but you know, we felt good. We we gave it our all. That was the main thing. We we just didn't quit. And I, if we would have just if we'd have just quit, then we'd have felt terrible. But our coach come in and he says we got nothing to be ashamed of. He said, "You're you're winners." And I'll tell you, it must be because people today still think we won the game. Exactly. You know, so even though we didn't win, people still. My nephew just told me the other day. He says he ran into people at a wedding in Garrison, and they once they knew the Allard was uh, name was in the wedding, they come up and they wouldn't quit talking about it. And they just kept telling him how it was amazing how they won that game. And my nephews had to tell him, no, they didn't win. I want to thank Bob Allard for taking the time to meet with the Dakota Ball Podcast. During that interview, Bob shared with me the news that his brother Don passed away from cancer in 2015. Sadly, Bob and Don's older brother, Alan, also passed away two years prior to Don's passing. They both died at the age of 56. In this next and final part of the episode, you'll learn a lot about Don Allard. I interviewed his parents, his kids, and several of the Epping Eagle teammates. It's a story about hard work, dedication, and goal setting. And very simply put, it is also by all accounts, and I really mean that when I say by all accounts, also a story of just a really great guy. Most importantly, he was a great dad and great friend, son, and brother. Perhaps less important in the really big picture, But nevertheless, inspirational to no end, Don was a great, unselfish teammate and basketball player. One sunny and beautiful Saturday morning, I drove from Hebron, North Dakota, to Epping, where I visited Don and Bob's parents, Al and Linda Allard, at the very farm where the boys had grown up. We sat at the table in a quaint kitchen. The Allards served me coffee, and they shared their memories of both the 1977 Epping Eagles and their memories of their son, Don. Sorry about your loss with your son Don. Were you, no. I, I've understood now you've lost two of your sons. Yes, uh, they both. They were both fifty-six when they died, and two years apart. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, that was. And uh, Bob actually told me, you know, that in Don was like his best friend. It was, you know, they were very close. Very close. And there, I'm looking out the window. It's a nice sunny day, and just as Bob 
mentioned to me when I met with him, there is a little basketball court right in the front yard. With Bob told me that his father, Alan, built that. Is that correct? That's right. So did the, I take it that um, your sons were out there a lot? Oh, they spent many hours out there. Did they have a lot of work to do around here? Like They done hard work. They put up the hay in the fall and they milk cows and done the chores before they went to school. I think they they were dedicated to the work here, but they were also dedicated to basketball. Don was, he wanted to lose weight because he knew this next year was coming up. And when, so he quit eating suppers with us. And when we were eating supper, he would run and he would run to the end of our pasture and back. And he'd done that every night when we had supper. At the time they were growing up, we put all our hay up with small bales, small square bales. So they were used to throwing square bales, loading bales and stacking bales in the mm-hmm. trucks and trailers and unloading them and stacking them in the grills. I, I have to say Don was a, the one that really carried the team yeah. as far as you know holding them together and stuff. But they had played with these kids from fourth grade up. They started the same bunch of boys were on the same team for from the fourth grade. So they played together many years, and any time they had extra time, like Bob said, they didn't have anything else to do. Right. And we only had the one sport in, in Epping. So any time they had any extra time, they would be in the gym. And they were very, very dedicated to that team. Going into that 1976 season, did you think that was going to happen? I mean, I wanted it so bad for them because they had worked so hard for it. But I never thought, I really didn't think they'd ever get that far. But you were aware of their dream and their oh, focus yes. on it and yeah. that they were... Don was the one that he had told, he never said it to me, but he had told him that Oh really? they were going to go to state when that season Don started. Don told you. Right after, well, it was right after basketball started practicing. I asked him to come home. We were eating supper, and I asked him, "Well, how's the practicing going? How's the team going to be?" And he says, "We're going to state this year." See, that's another thing about achieving goals that people talk about a lot: having the vision, and you're you're setting a goal, and just sort of deciding this is. I'm going to make this happen. It does sound, the more I'm hearing, it sounds like Don was really the mastermind behind this. <laughs> he really was. He, um, you know, it didn't always show up that he was uh, one of the better players. Like he wasn't the better, the, he wasn't the top scorer. Or, and Bob had the ability of, of jumping. That was, you know, and his, just his timing and stuff was so good. But Bob, or Don was the, he was the one that, I really think that held them together. Did Bob and Don always get along, or most of the time? I I honestly can say I never seen Don mad. Never in his fifty-six years, I never seen him get. And I'm sure there was times, but I didn't see it. Ever get in trouble much? If they were ever got in trouble, we never heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> they kept it quiet, and I'm sure there was times probably that they didn't want us to find out things. But yeah. uh, you know, of course those those years when they were hoping to go to state, they were very well uh, behaved because they didn't want to get in trouble or, you know. Very focused. Very focused on that team. So, and they adored their coach. Uh, He was, he, he just, 
they just thought the world of him. So please tell me a little bit about Larry. Uh, he is very quiet. He never wanted to be out in the spotlight. <laughs> well, he sure got that <laughs> in '77. He couldn't get away from it in '77. <laughs> but he didn't like interviews and things like that. I don't think, and you know, it didn't seem like he did. But uh, the, he just he just knew how to handle us, you know, the, how to handle the boys, and, and he was just an excellent coach. That's great. So, it sounds like the the players thought so too. That always helps. And that oh yeah, they had very good respect for him. I assume it was the regional finals you had to win to get into the state tournament. Do you remember that night or? Oh yeah, that was Watford City. They had to, they had to beat Watford, and I think they beat him by four points. I didn't watch half the game. I was. I didn't Why get is out. that? Oh, I couldn't. I just was too nervous. But you were there. <laughs> but I was there. So after they lost the finals, do you remember that night? How did that feel? That it it was bad. Well, the whole season you're on this high, and boy, then all of a sudden it just uh, it was hard. Even for two three weeks after we were home, it was just. You kind of were down in the dumps the whole time because you knew it was over. And was that both yourselves and the boys, or uh, I don't know about the boys. They kept going, but for us, it was it was really. Uh, I had him. My, my uncle had taped all of them just on a little recorder, and I listened to those games over and over and over. My name is Larry Overbold. I was born in Crosby, North Dakota in 1946. Uh, I graduated in 64. Went to school in Dickinson, graduated, and I started teaching in Epping in 1972-73. And, you know, Don Howard was probably as hard a working kid as I ever coached. And probably, you know, of all the kids that I coached, he's a kid that least wanted any credit for anything he did. You know, he was always for the, you know, for the team, mm-hmm. and, and never and never about himself. Very, very unselfish. You know, he sounds like a great, great guy. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he really was. I get tears in my eyes when I just start to think of him. What did it mean to be able to coach a guy like that? You know, you, you hope in your lifetime you get somebody like that. But you know, I coach a lot of good kids, kids that were. You know that that were dedicated to the sport and and that put in a, you know the kids over there put in a lot of time playing and that's you know that's what made them good and then there wasn't any you know there wasn't no jealousy or anything like that nobody really cared who did the scoring or you know of all the kids I had he he could care less if he ever scored a point you know yeah. as long as the team did well yeah but, you know I remember Donnie more more so than anybody because he was kind of a chunky kid is freshman and sophomore year and then he lost a whole bunch of weight you know he'd go right. running that night and and uh you know and that was that was to help the team out more he always took the 
you know, any time we had they had a good, uh, you know, offensive ball player, I always put Donnie on. He always took the, you know, the the toughest player they had, whether he was a forward or guard. Good defense was, player, huh? Yeah, a real good defensive player because he worked so hard. Two fingers and brothers and two Allard brothers and and then uh, was Tom Brevik and Jay Bingaman and mm-hmm. Dale Kiever. Those were the those were were six fantastic years. You know that I spent there. Was, they were really a close knit bunch of kids. It was a super fantastic time. This is Mike Binger, and I was born in Williston and lived in lived in Epping, North Dakota. I uh, graduated from high school in 1978. What are your memories of Donnie? Oh man, uh, that's tough to talk about. But uh, he he was one of my best friends. I think about him every day. Every time I hear a train whistle, first thing that pops into my mind. My other best friend was Dale Keever, and us, him and Donnie and I, we hung out constantly through high school, and and even after high school, we got together a lot. I'm sorry for but, you, yeah. us, you know, sad. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it was a tough one, that's for sure. Just a bunch of farm kids, and... You know, and to and to come in and play against some of them bigger schools, and and the way we could do that is we played together for so long. And we had a great coach. Everybody got along. We were like a like a family, I guess. Mm-hmm. That that includes the parents and the, and now we're missing one of our pieces, so it's it's just not the same. Yeah, my name is uh, Jay Bingman. I live in Epping, North Dakota. Oh, well, Don was a real likable fella. He'd do anything for you. We grew up together, really started to get to know each other back in the, like, fifth or sixth grade, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they lived uh, straight west of my farm, probably three and a half miles, three miles. I used to go over there once in a while and help more cows. And what kind of basketball player was he? He was a very good basketball player. He wasn't, uh, one, you know, he wasn't a ball hog or anything like that. He always was looking out for the next guy. <laughs> he worked hard. Worked hard a lot, a lot harder than I did. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was a really good person. First of all, what what was it like going to Bismarck that weekend? Strange. Overwhelming <laughs> 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 Gym was like huge, you know, compared to what we're used to playing in. And it was quite the experience. Ready to go, brings it down the left side. Bobby Allard to the left side of the lane. There takes that long jumper, no good. Rebound is taken off by Jay Bingaman. Bingaman to Clyde, to Mike Finger, knocked out, picked up by Bingaman. 
Bingham with the ball, out in front to Donnie Allard. Donnie Allard to the right-hand side of the curve. Don holds the ball, setting up his offense. Allard with the ball to the left-hand side to Kleisfinger. Kleis steps in there. Good! 16 to 10, up in with a biggest lead. My name's Clyde Binger, and uh, I grew up five miles north of Epping on a farm. And in uh, fourth and fifth grade, the Allards moved south of Epping, and then we went to school together. Donnie and I were in the same grade, and then Bobby and my other, my brother Mike were in the grade below us, juniors. They were fourth graders, and we were fifth graders. So we started playing basketball then, and played all the way through. What kind of guy was Don? Don was the peacemaker, easygoing, just I mean, the nicest guy. That's that's where Donnie was. Mm-hmm. Three brothers that were all around the same age, and <laughs> we were around them all. And and Donnie was the peacemaker between the other two brothers. And I don't think I ever saw him, man. What kind of basketball player was he? I mean, what was his style? And whoever we played, whoever their best ball player was. That's who Donnie guarded. Mm-hmm. Donnie was the best defensive player we had. Like in the regionals when we played Mandarini, they had a guy that averaged like 35 points a game or something like that. And uh, Overball said that, the coach, he said, if mm-hmm. we're going to win Donnie, then you're, you're going to have to hold him down into the into the team. And I think he only had like 10 points that game. And we wow. won that game, but... I don't know if his feet were quick or what, but he... What was it like going down to Bismarck that weekend? Oh, man. That's, you know, it's something, looking back at it now, it, it's something you'd never forget. And it was, you know, one of the greatest things that's ever happened, besides having my kids. Gives it to Donnie Allard. Down across on the left side. Allard with the ball in front court. Brings it over to Jay Bingaman. Jay Bingaman to the right side of the key. Goes right inside to Mike Finger. Mike with a set shot. No good. Don Allard with the rebound. Donnie drives. Underneath the tight finger, jumping to a beautiful pass for Donnie Allard. Good enough to get him with the lead. Jim Nicholson with the ball, Paul Zing. He's the playmaker out there. The general has set up the plays. What are your memories of Don Allard? Well, he, he was actually my cousin and my best friend. My name is Dale Kieber. I was born in 1959 in Stanley, North Dakota. I played ball on the Epping Eagles basketball team and graduated in 1977. What kind of guy was uh, Don? He was super. Best guy you could ever find. He was a very unselfish player. He was very unselfish in his entire life. Did you go to his funeral? Uh, yes, actually, I was Paul Bear. I miss him terribly. We did a lot of stuff together. We were inseparable when we were going to school. We actually uh, had an apartment together. Our... Uh, in the first year out of school and went to college. He was a fun-loving guy. So let me ask you some basketball stuff. So you must have played in that final game because you had Vingers fouled out. So you must have been on the floor then there in the fourth quarter at least. Yes, I, I did make it to the floor in the fourth quarter. Sixth Street, uh-oh. That's Mr. Vingers' fifth foul. Mike Vinger, number 45. i got to know who this is. See if I got that. 45. Uh, Dale Kiever. Kiever's in. Number 45, Dale Kiever. Top break, losing vigor, I'll tell you that. And right now, here's the little picture that tells an awful lot. 
what's it like to be in that kind of environment that's you know and then have to go out there cold like that um it was very nerve-wracking to have to go out there <laughs> i was like what do i do now sounds like you guys are trying to play catch-up most of the game huh yeah most of the game it was a it was a it was a tough one i always figured i had the best seat in the house yeah it was pretty awesome he would uh they, they would do some cheers and you'd look around and just do the goosebumps to... it must have been a really cool experience for you to be a part of that yeah it was fun it was uh like i said i had the best seat in the house and i had the best seat in the house all year long. And definitely the momentum is changing here to Epic. At the line now is Tommy Brevik for his first free throw. Didn't get it. Well, last night he came in as a sub and was really effective. 23 seconds to go in the third quarter. Eight-point lead for Hillsborough. Seven-point lead. Brevik gets the foul throw. My name's Tom Brevik. I was born uh, on June 3rd, 1960. Grew up on a farm outside of Epping, and I still reside there. I work in uh, Wollaston, North Dakota. I'm a supervisor at a precious metal refinery. Yeah, no, I was a sixth man on the team. I mean, I did see quite a bit of playing time. Kind of a funny story, I guess, would be that as a sixth man, of course, the game started, and the coach would he'd be sitting there, and as things were go- progressing in the game, if things aren't going well, he'd grab my arm. And then he'd start squeezing it, and then pretty soon he'd yank me off the bench and say, get in there for so <laughs> We kind of knew when we got uh, in that age group that, you know, we were going to be a pretty good team. What are your memories of Don Allard? You know, he uh, he excelled in school. Uh, he was an honor student in school. Um, and he was very athletic and very good. And, I mean, as a, as a person, he's a phenomenal guy. You know, it, we were pretty much set up to where – when that go-to player had an off night, I mean, everybody else just picked it up and uh, and just played the game. Um, now, one of the games I don't know if anybody's mentioned to you about. So, in our in our semifinal game in the regional tournament against Beulah, Bob Howard fouled out like early in the third quarter. We're behind like four or six points at the time, and we actually went into a stall and we held the ball. I mean, and everybody just couldn't figure out what are we doing. We'd score a point again once we knew we went ahead we pretty much knew that we were going to win that game because we were so phenomenal on the four corner stall that i mean it was just we basically confused the uh the opposing team and just for clarification are you saying that you guys went into a stall while you were still trailing yes we did we just we didn't rush it we just took our time that is amazing i've never heard of a team stalling while they were actually Trailing. And he makes 2620. I thought I had a long visit with uh, Bob and I did with uh, Pat Allard, Donnie's father. There's a shot of something that's uh, 2720. And uh, we were all through the consensus opinion, and uh, most people when they talk about the Epping team, they talk about Bob Allard. And Daddy Al said uh, that's not so. He said Don Allard proves every time that they get in trouble that he's the cop that brings them through. We never really talked about marriage, or maybe we did, I don't remember, but I do remember the night we were just visiting, and we were alone for some reason that night, and he kept being strange, and he told me to go get something out of his pocket, and I was kind of at the 
stage where like, I'm not waiting on you. You go get it yourself. He says, no, you got to go get that out of my pocket. I'm like, all right. So I got up and went and got it out of pocket. And it was the box with the ring in it. My name is Mary Allard. I was born in Williston, North Dakota in 1962. Graduated from Williston High in 1980. Met Don Allard in 1976. Do you remember the first time you met Don? I did. It was at a baseball game. I had seen him and just kind of wanted to go over and start talking to him. And so you were in high school. He was in high school, I guess. Yep. He was a senior that year, and I was a freshman. But you didn't go to Epping High School? No. I was the city slicker girl. I didn't have a driver's license, so my dad would drive me to his games. Yeah, when they would play in Epping. We didn't go, like, to out-of-town games, but we would go to the Epping ones. So I've already interviewed a lot of people and talked about Don, um, but no one who was married to him for how many years? 35 years we were married. He didn't get mad. If we did get mad, it had to be money or, you know, but otherwise, if I, he never, we never got mad about personal things. I mean, there was nothing I did that made him furious. There was nothing he did that made me furious. So it was strange. He did not get mad very often. Hmm. I mean, even in high school, they talk about it, and Mike Finger would know more of that. Um, they went to, uh, it was a party after, I think it was after graduation, I believe. Anyway, um, Don hit, a guy, that guy was making a comment about me. Oh. And he hit this yeah. guy and bent over and helped the guy get back up. And If we go back to the 77 tournament, you were there for the final game. Yes, I was. What was that like, sitting in the stands, watching your boyfriend struggle? It was still exciting because they were so small. You know, their biggest travels was to go into Williston and they could have pizza at Happy Joe's or go to the drive-in and have burgers, you know. What do you miss most about Don? The companionship. Being alone is tough. Doing things alone, getting to learn to do that kind of stuff. You know, and we did go on trips. One of his uh, favorite things was for, um, we traveled through his work. We got to go to Florida, California, and we always watched baseball games wherever we went. That was one of our things. We were going to try to hit as many baseball games as we could when he retired. And we got to go to a few. Uh, yeah, I'm Dale Allard, uh, son of Don Allard. Uh, I was born in Wilson, but grew up in Minot. We moved here when I was like one. That's where I currently live now. Okay. Worked on the railroad, uh, I guess. Uh, that's what uh, my dad did two years before he passed away. Growing up, how often did you hear or have to hear about the 1977 state tournament? When I was a kid, I remember going to basketball camps and stuff, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And I never, I didn't really get to understand the whole significance of the 1977 Eagles until I got older. But when I'd go to a camp, they'd read your name off and then, it's a Dale Allard, and they, everyone always asks, are you related to the Allard from Epping? You know, and uh, every time I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, one of my dad, but then, you know, that was kind of the end of it until I got older, you know, and there's even funny story, we were, I think I was 21, we went to Billings, Montana for a, a bull riding event, and it was my dad, my grandma, grandpa, their brothers, and I'm sitting down at a random seat, and I don't know the guy next to me, and we just introduced ourselves, I'm like, oh, I'm Dale Allard, he's like, Allard? You guys, you know what it was, Epinellers? I mean, I'm in Billings, Montana, you know, this is 25, like 30 years after that thing, and he's still asking. <laughs> That's 
about it, which I thought was kind of crazy, you know. And tell me about your dad. Is you know he's um, uh, one of the good things about my dad was he was just um, he had one of the greatest laughs. You know, you watch a movie. You know, he always saw things as the funniest, and anything you watch with him became funnier because of his laugh. Um, and like we worked, I got to work with him for five years on the railroad, so got to see him every day. And some days we got to work together, and then mm-hmm. I really cherished that. That was great. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, you know, one of the things is, you know, as I grew up as a kid, you know, he still played amateur basketball, you know, every Sundays, and I, so I'd go watch him, and I'd watch him play the entire game, and he'd never shoot. He was more worried about getting other people involved in the game and having a good time, and I think that's kind of rubbed off, you know. Yeah. Ever, in his life too is it's like he never missed at work he had to, whatever the dude to come to my games you know he would work as hard as to come to any of us our family things and it and then for, for the railroad our job is so you're not you're on call 24 hours a day seven mm-hmm. days a week so for him to make sacrifices like that it was you could just tell that's how he he always put people in front of him and never really and i never knew how big a deal it was when i was growing up because he was just there until i actually started working that job and I realized how hard it is to be at things. Yeah, you know, he was he's such a humble guy and I you know he was not about showboat. He never liked watching people showboat on T V or the pros or anything like that. There's no reason to try to embarrass someone or or show off, just play the game the right way. I'm Donald Allard, uh, also known as DJ from the family. Uh born and raised in Minot by my parents Don and Mary Allard. Uh my dad was grew up in Epping and I still go to his family farm where he grew up all the time. Uh Grandparent visit my grandparents. Uh, it was fairly often uh, anywhere from a random encounter to a couple teachers in my high school remembered it. It was relatively common. What can you tell me about your dad? What was he like? Uh, he was uh, really easygoing, super laid back. I mean, he hardly ever really raised his voice. I mean, he was super easygoing, loved to laugh. Um, kind of came to crunch time, he knew how to get things done. I mean, he was very orderly and on point with his life. But yeah, he was super easy to have as a dad. I know that. Never never really yelled at us. Or, I mean, didn't have strict rules or nothing. Hard worker, yeah. I mean, I, right. so yeah, he worked hard. And he always loved to go back to the farm and help my grandpa with the cattle. I mean, that was one of his favorite things to do. I don't know. I mean, at my age now, it's, I mean, he was, uh, we golfed a lot together, you know, have a couple beers at holiday times, just skidding together. You know, that's, that's where I, I, you know, that was cut so short for me. I only had a few years of that right. relationship with the father-son. So I guess I really miss that aspect. Uh, hello, my name is Rachel Glory, um, formerly Allard. My uh, my father was uh, Donald Allard. Um, I was born in Williston, North Dakota. Mostly any time that uh, we were at boarding events, if... Um, you know, my dad introduced himself to somebody. They would immediately ask, "Oh, were you were you the Allard from that that Epping team?" And and so yeah, we would hear about it a lot. My grandmother loves to have everybody together um, for Christmases, and Easter is always a big um, a big get together. The brothers used to play in a tournament every Easter in um, the little town of Ray which is really close to Epping. My grandma's house is like almost a, a shrine to her boys. Uh, so there's always all kinds of awards and pictures up on the walls in a glass case. So, I mean, I always knew from a young age that basketball kind of ran in our blood and it was just a way of living. There was two major sports that my family was in love with and it was basketball and softball and uh, I did play basketball uh, I only made it through uh, freshman year 
um, you know, he said that he always loved to watch me play because he said that I was a hard worker and you could always see that when I was out on the court. And that's the thing about dad that I, that I love the most is that he always rooted for the underdogs, you know, he sure. always wanted to, um, go for the people that he saw that were putting in the effort, you know, that really worked hard, not necessarily the ones that were natural talents, but ones that really worked. Can I, may I ask you what you miss most today? What I miss most about my dad? Well, the easy things to miss are his smile and his laugh. Mm-hmm. They're always, they're always uplifting. But, um, his quiet strength, you know, he really, um, strength. And I always knew that, um, that he was there to support me. And I, I missed that. It was hard because his job, he wasn't always available. You know, with the, the railroad, he's on call a lot. He was away a lot, but he still tried to be at everything that he could be. And, you know, he always, he'd come to things even when he hadn't even been asleep yet. Um, I just, yeah, he was always just really supportive. So I, all of my memories are, you know, him teaching me how to, to ride a bike without training wheels. And um, he take me to the softball diamonds and calls me to practice my hitting. So he'd always give me tips and tell me what I need to do. And yeah, so Dakota Ball Podcast is produced by myself, James Walner, in Hebron, North Dakota. At the website dakotaball.org, that's dakotaball.org, you can view photographs of Don Allard and the Epping Eagles. On the website, there's also a video section where you can view the Prairie Public documentary One Shining Moment, which highlights this Epping story. Again, the website is dakotaball.org. The email address for the podcast is dakotaballpodcast at gmail.com. dakotaballpodcast at gmail.com. Many thanks to everyone who took the time to speak with me about the Epping Eagles and about Don Allard. I'm going to leave you with the audio of an interview that was done with Don Allard years ago when Don's son was playing basketball. As always, keep on dreaming, don't stop believing, walk tall, and please be safe. To Civic Center, everybody joined by Don Allard. His son is a very good basketball player in this Lions club, but he played in a game that made North Dakota basketball history back in 1977. A member of the Epping Club that went head to head with Power Hillsboro, didn't quite beat them, 56 to 52. What are your memories about that classic David versus Goliath battle? Oh, I think uh, 
all the support we got from uh, statewide was probably the, the biggest thing I'll always remember. Uh, you know, and then it, it was just a memorable game that way. An enrollment of 22 students, and you went head to head with a very, very big club population in the school over 200. That's a heck of a story. Yeah, it ended up quite a story, that's for sure. Uh, you know, they made quite a deal out of that. And you were the champions of the crowd, the crowd's yelling, Eagles, Eagles. I mean, you heard that as a player, certainly. Oh, absolutely. You couldn't help but hear this crowd. It was it was amazing. I, you know, 90% of the ship was, was pulling for us. And, uh, you definitely heard them. People still talk about it. Newspaper stores, you had a spot on uh, PBS. A lot of television interviews. I mean, this thing has had a lot of legs. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's just constant. Every year, this time of year especially, you know, people are going to run into it and they're, they're going to mention it. And, uh, yeah, we talk about it uh, quite a bit, you know, I mean, as far as the guys that, uh, the, the other guys from Epping, and, you know, they all go through the same thing when people run into them, start talking about the Epping Hillsboro game. Well, thank you very much for visiting with us, and uh, thanks for being a part of North Dakota Class B basketball history. Donnie Allen, thank you so much, Donnie. All right, thanks, John. All right, enjoy the ball game.